Hello, welcome to the Home with a Twist podcast. I'm your host, Melissa Austin Weeks. Growing up, pulling on my mother's apron strings, I learned to prepare fabulous food, entertain guests with style, and design a traditional home with a retro twist. I am the founder and editor-in-chief of the Home with a Twist blog, where I share my passion for finding joy in every day. Grab your coffee or iced tea, and let's dive into this week's episode. Thank you for joining me today at the Home with a Twist podcast. This is episode four, the week of November 5th, 2018. Thanksgiving's at the farm. Thanksgiving is my favorite holiday. I love the food. I love setting the table. I love that it's focused on being thankful and spending time with family and not about gift giving. Although if you've been invited to someone's table, please think about taking a hostess gift. I will have a segment in a few weeks on some ideas of fun things that you can pick up that will show your hostess how much you appreciate their invitation. Most of our Thanksgivings when I was growing up took place at my parents' farm in Cleburne, which is about 45 minutes from our home in Fort Worth. It was way out in the country and the sweetest place to run, play, get dirty, and worn out. It was just simply a modest house surrounded by a big white wooden fence, orchards of plums and pear trees all around, a bunkhouse, a barn, and corral for horses, cows, and pigs. And Daddy had a big workshop to putter around in, which also housed his tools, his vintage Willis Jeep, and tons of stray cats that he loved to feed and give names. You entered the property up a long dirt driveway from the road, and you'd have to stop at the gate, and the youngest in the car would hop out, and usually that was me, to unlock the fence, open it, and then mother and daddy would drive through, and I would lock the gate and finish walking up to the house. We'd unpack the car and we'd go inside and the house was set up. If you looked at it from hanging or, you know, looking down at the house overhead, it was like one big square. You'd walk into the big dark paneled living room and dining area and then into the kitchen. And then there was a small hallway. The bathroom was on the left. And then from there were three bedrooms the master bedroom had a step-down porch that I think at some point was added to accommodate more beds. Today, it would definitely be a candidate for Chip and Joanna's fixer-upper show. But back then, Mother had it decorated in a really sweet country style that was suitable for what it was, a getaway from the busy work week. It was comfortable, and my parents enjoyed spending time there, especially at holidays. Thanksgiving, mother would make delicious meals within that small kitchen. Um, Nothing compared to the kitchens that women want today. But it suited her, and it didn't seem to affect the outcome or the taste of the meals. And a fun memory that I have is that if it was really cold outside, mother would use the brilliant strategy of stashing all the food that she couldn't fit into the refrigerator 
and put it out on the outside screened in back porch and just set it on top of the washer and dryer and this screened in porch had no insulation so it was totally open to the cold and it would keep the food really really cold until she wanted to serve it the next morning. We didn't have a garbage disposal, which meant the dishes had to be scraped and hand washed until they later put in a dishwasher. But that didn't stop Mother from wanting to use her Johnson Brothers Friendly Village China. She never used disposable. At Christmas time, we would drive the Jeep down to the far end of the acreage and cut a Christmas tree to haul back and decorate it with popcorn and homemade ornaments. At Easter, we always dyed eggs at the table and had a big egg hunt on Easter morning. And if the weather was nice, we'd do the egg hunt outside in the front expansive um, yard. There were a few occasions that if we had to keep the egg hunt in the house, that we would find missing eggs and they would be petrified. And we'd find them stashed behind the stereo or the couch. Sometimes it would snow. And on cold winter mornings, it was the best to wake up in a bed piled high with quilts and hear mother puttering around the kitchen. She loved to stand at the kitchen sink and look at the view of the pasture, the goats and pigs running around or a cow chewing on grass. That was her heaven. We didn't have internet or cable. We just had a landline, but that didn't seem to matter. It was about being outside exploring, learning to drive a stick shift, walking down to the pond to skip rocks or hunt for frogs, build forts, pick grapes, make jam, light fireworks, catch fireflies, or lay on blankets in the front yard and just stare up at the dark night and see the beautiful white stars twinkling. It was waking up to the smell of biscuits baking and bacon frying and knowing that you could start the day of fun all over again. My parents sold the farm many years ago with daddy's macular degeneration and the fact that they were getting older, it was time to downsize and part with the farm. And I am sure that that was a very hard chapter for them to close. Those memories of what shaped us into a family are what we are today. Next up, The Mrs. Twist Reads This Book Club Selection for November. Last spring, I read a book from Gretchen Rubin called The Four Tendencies. And it's basically a book she wrote that she believes people fall into one of four different personality tendencies. And my personality tendency, according to her book, is an obliger. And that means that I'm pretty good at following through on doing things that I've been asked of. I'm a great employee, a great friend, because if you ask me to do something, I'm going to follow through on it. But I need accountability to do things that benefit me. For example, in the book, she says someone came to her and said, I really want to learn to be a runner. And they deduced that if she joined a running club, she would have accountability and would therefore be more likely to follow through on the activity. And I thought, I want to read more and I want to 
be accountable to reading. So if I started a book club, then certainly that would make me, if I read the book and invited friends over, I would need to be, be held accountable to lead the group. So that's how I launched Mrs. Twist Reads This Book Club. And that was in 2017. I launched it because I wanted to be more accountable to read and spend less time using technology. Summer was coming and I knew that a lot of my favorite TV shows would be on a summer break. And I thought reading might be a great way to help me spend my time. Now, podcasts and blogging obviously don't count. Um, Technology is what I mean by using Facebook or Pinterest or Instagram or watching television. So we met that summer from May to August, and I was strictly going to make it just be a summer book club. But at the end of our time together, I told everyone, okay, we're, we're not going to meet again until the next year. I got a lot of resistance. People said, we are actually learning to love to read again. I've read more in the last four months than I've read probably since I was in elementary school. Please don't make a stop meeting. And I said, well, if y'all want to keep going, we certainly will. As long as there are more books to read, we will keep meeting. So that was uh, the beginning of a wonderful opportunity for me to make new friends, read books that I probably wouldn't have read otherwise. We meet once a month to read a book that I, in most cases, select. We read all genres, although our group does not seem to cheer very loudly whenever I choose a self-help book. We've only done that a couple of times. We seem to really like psychological thrillers, romances, maybe a smidge of historical fiction. I use the free platform called Book Movement. It's bookmovement.com. And that helps us to promote our book club. It's been a lifesaver for someone like me that's, that is uh, organizing a book club. So if you're thinking of starting a book club in your town, I would really suggest that you use Book Movement. It's free to you to use. It's free to your members to use. You can create your book club events, the book that you select. You can also create your own personal queue of books that you want to read outside of book club. And it has a great email system that when members sign up, it saves their emails. And when you prompt it, it will send emails to your members to remind them it's time to get the book. It's time to read the book. And oh, by the way, the book club is coming up in a couple of days. Since our first meeting in May of 2017, we now have almost 80 members nationwide, which means that these are people that don't necessarily join us every month, but they just want to be part of a community of readers. So that's been really nice to sit back and see that we have people that I've never met, and they're enjoying reading a book along with us, and we've read um, over 20 books. I try to select books that are mostly new releases, And we have been super lucky that many times, in fact, I could probably, in in a handful of times we've done this, there's maybe been just a few authors that haven't either followed back up with me or haven't been available. But we've actually been really super lucky um, that they'll either call us via Skype or FaceTime. This month, we are reading Bitter Orange by Claire Fuller. And let me just kind of read you a little bit about what uh, Amazon has to say about the book. It's been named the best book of fall by Elle Magazine, Huffington Post, Southern Living, and Parade, to name just a few. 
from the author of Our Endless Numbered Days and Swimming Lessons, Bitter Orange is a Seductive Psychological Portrait, a Keyhole into the Dangers of Longing and How Far a Woman Might Go to Escape Her Past. And here's the description. From the attic of Linton's, a dilapidated English country mansion, Francis Jellicoe sees them. Kara first, dark and beautiful, then Peter, striking and serious. The couple is spending the summer of 1969 in the rooms below hers while Francis is researching the architecture in the surrounding gardens. But she's distracted. Beneath a floorboard in her bathroom, she finds a peephole that gives her access to her neighbor's private lives. To Frances's surprise, Kara and Peter are keen to get to know her. It is the first occasion she has had anyone to call a friend, and before long they are spending every day together eating lavish dinners, drinking bottle after bottle of wine, and smoking cigarettes until the ash piles up on the crumbling furniture. Frances is dazzled. But as the hot summer rolls lazily on, it becomes clear that not everything is right between Kara and Peter. The stories that Kara tells don't quite add up, and as Francis becomes increasingly entangled in the lives of the glamorous hedonistic couple, the boundaries between truth and lies, right and wrong, begin to blur. Amid the decadence, a small crime brings on a bigger one, a crime so terrible that it will brand their lives forever. So if you would like to join us for book club, we would love to have you. As I said, if you live local in Fort Worth, we'll be meeting on December 6th at 7 p.m. Um, everyone is bringing an appetizer. We'll have spirits to share, and we're going to talk about the book. If you don't live locally and you still would like to read with us, we'd love to have you. If you will just go to homewithatwist.com and in the search field put in Mrs. Twist Reads This Book Club, you will find the link to join. After the next musical break, when we come back, I will share the deformity I have been diagnosed with from my latest doctor's appointment. And it's a good one. Newsflash, my feet are 54 years old. And they have been bothering me for the last six months, especially my heel. So a friend of mine recommended this podiatrist in town, and I went to see him, and he took one look at my foot and said, Oh, you have Haglund's deformity. I said, That sounds like something that Hagrid would have in Harry Potter. And he laughed and said, Huh, I hadn't heard that before, but it kind of does sound like it. So Hagland is spelled H-A-G-L-U-N-D. It's a bony deposit that grows on the back of your heel. So I don't know if any of you out there are going to have an aha moment that I've just helped you, saved you a $40 copay at your doctor's office. They don't know why it happens other than it's hereditary. So thank you, mother and daddy. Miss B will be thrilled to hear that she's got some foot ailments to look forward to. Um, the other one that mother and daddy passed along to me are bunions, super glamorous. I had both of my feet repaired for bunionectomies when I was in high school, and then one of my feet redone when I was in my early 20s. 
Haglund's deformity is not life-threatening, and there is really nothing you can do for it. They do surgery, but the doctor said it's a six-month healing process, so that's pretty much out. It What it does is it causes deferred pain along your ankles, which is why my ankles have been bothering me when I work out. So the problem is that the Achilles tendon stretches over the back of your heel, And as the bony growth gets bigger, the tendon has to stretch even more, which is what causes the pain. So the good thing is, is that it's an easy um, fix is to just do stretches like you would do for plantar fasciitis. If you've ever had that, you know exactly what what that is. But the exercise is basically taking a stretchy strap or a towel and kind of using um, the the flexure of using the towel or the stretchy to just kind of pull your foot back at an angle, pull your toes back, and that stretches the Achilles. The other thing we've, which I've talked to you all about before is that I don't have much fat deposit left on the bottom of my feet. Um, he recommended some specific orthotics that I wanted to share with you guys in case any of you have feel like that you have to just give up your high heels because the bottoms of your feet are killing you at the end of the day. He said to use Spinco Polysorb Gel Insoles, and this is super sexy. Spinco is spelled S-P-E-N-C-O, and you can purchase them at Academy. You place them inside your shoe, and it gives you extra cushion so that when you um, strike your foot from wearing heels, you'll get a little bit of um, more of a comfort and a cushion um, and not so much of a hard blow to the bottom of your foot. I can wear any shoe that I want. He said, you know, there's no reason why you can't wear heels. The only thing he forbid me from wearing or said, if you want to wear them, you will get you will have noticed some significant pain is flats. So I'm going to have to limit my flats. And he said flip-flops are the worst thing he's seeing more and more people coming into his practice that the result of foot issues are related to flip-flops. The other super sexy thing that I have is called a Morton's Neuroma. And I have it on my left foot, which he said 70% of people have a Morton's neuroma on their left foot and they've done tons of studies and they cannot determine why it's more prominent in the left foot than it is in the right and it's more common in women than it is in men. Um, So this story is going downhill fast. A Morton's neuroma is another benign condition. It's where tissue builds up around the nerves in your foot, usually between your third and fourth toe. It doesn't cause me any discomfort. I just have this really weird feeling every morning when I first get up out of bed, like my bones are moving around in the bottom of my foot. So um, he said that's just the nerves waking up from being sedentary uh, from sleeping overnight. So all this to say, we are coming to the conclusion of this story that I call the death of a heel, meaning that the beautiful shoes that I used to be able to wear so easily have left my world. And, but at least I can still wear my wonderful block heels, which are super cute. So I'll let you know how the inserts work out. But coming up, if you are in charge of interviewing employees at your job, I have got five great questions to ask and a podcast that will be really helpful. (laughs) 
A podcast to help you stay up on top of the latest work trends is called Safe for Work, and it's hosted by Liz Dolan and Rico Gagliano, and they talk to expert guests and take your calls to help you find happiness in your work life and to answer your burning workplace questions. Or maybe once you've heard other callers' problems, you'll realize that yours aren't that bad after all. So Safe for Work is Job Stress, Life Relief. And these questions are perfect to ask during a job interview, or even if you aren't planning on leaving your current job, it's always a great idea to stay fresh and on top of the latest questions, um, the latest trends during a job interview. This podcast is great for, uh, the one I listened to recently is the current ways to prepare your resume and things that are really outdated from the days back in the 90s and early 2000s when we just don't prepare our resumes that way anymore. They need to be fresh and inviting and current and very on trend. So these are some great questions that you can even use as conversation starters. And these questions came from ZipRecruiter, which is one of their sponsors of their podcast. The first one is, what's motivating you to look for another job? Number two, what job have you disliked most in your career and why? Number three, what are you passionate about and what is your most unique skill? Number four, describe in detail your perfect job. And number five, what single project or task would you consider as your biggest accomplishment? So take some time to ponder those questions. And after this break... What's a hostess to do? I have been enjoying this fun book called What's a Hostess to Do by Susan Spungen. And she has a fabulous blog called The Modern Cook. She was also the founding editor for Food and Entertaining for Martha Stewart Magazine, and she's a food stylist, which I think would be the funnest job. She styled movies for Julie and Julia and Eat, Pray, Love. And this book is a stylish and instructive guide filled with expert advice from a party-throwing pro. The front of it is says 380. 13 ideas for inspiration for effortless entertaining, including 121 recipes for spectacular party food. And on the inside, it is so easy to read and very applicable. And all of the artwork on the inside is kind of hand-drawn, retro, 60s and 70s inspired art. And it's really, really cute. So one thing that I did this week, if you read my blog, Home with a Twist, is I talked about how I made the realization that this year, with it being Phoebe's um, first Thanksgiving to come home after being in college, that I really want to spend the time that I usually spend in the kitchen cooking, which I love to do. I love to cook. I love to entertain. I love to have people over. But I also know, and you know this too, that it is exhausting Um, Once you do all the grocery shopping and the prep and the food, and it takes literally hours and hours to eat uh, or to prepare everything and then eat 
for maybe like 10 minutes and then it's over and then you've got to clean and put everything away. Frankly, I'd rather focus on the eating and spend more time just being lazy and watching the parade on Thursday morning and spending time with Miss B doing some Netflix uh, binging. So I have allocated, and that's what the story in the blog is, that I have allocated all of my Thanksgiving food, probably about 90% of my Thanksgiving meal to businesses that I trust. Hurley House, which is a fabulous bakery in town, and she also does ready-to-eat meals, and um, Sweet Lucy's Pies that's owned by Lindsay Lawing, and she has baked pies for me for several years and for many occasions, and I just decided that I'm really happy about that. I will still spend time setting the table and um, using Mother's Crystal and China because I want to feel closer to her, but I'd rather just frankly spend that time just enjoying doing nothing. So in keeping with the theme of delegating, I found something in Susan's book that I thought was really helpful. And it's, it's, it's not rocket science, but oftentimes we make these copious lists for ourselves of things that we have to do. And you know, there are other people that are coming to this party. And years ago, mother taught me that one of the funnest parties that she used to host as a young wife was when all the couples would come over that everybody would pitch in and do different things to help get ready for dinner. And so this is kind of similar to this, maybe with a little bit modern spin. The first one is delegate your responsibility of setting the table to your guests. Um, number two is ironing and folding napkins. A lot of times Miss B was really good and still is good at ironing. And so that was her job is to pull all the linens out of my party closet if they need to be freshened up to launder them and then to iron them. Cleaning wine glasses that have been gathering dust on a distant shelf. Setting up the bar. Slicing lemon and lime wedges for drinks. Number six, buying ice and making ice buckets for the bar. Number seven, preparing water carafes. Number eight, slicing the bread. Number nine, opening the wine. And number 10, lighting the candles. And while we're on the subject of having people over, the podcast wouldn't be complete without sharing a cocktail recipe with you. Last week, I shared the Golden Hot Fall Punch, and that recipe is on the blog, homewithatwist.com. And this one for this week is an apple cider bourbon cocktail. Um, I think it was last month when we had book club, my friend Jackie brought the most delicious pumpkin spice uh, cider. It was not apple cider. It was pumpkin spice cider. And so I'm thinking for a twist on this apple cider bourbon cocktail is that you could use that. She found jugs of it at Walmart. But Trader Joe's also has a really good apple cider that you could go the traditional route and follow the recipe to a tea. But this comes from a blog called Style Me Pretty. You take two parts bourbon and four parts cider. So in this case, it could be pumpkin or apple. And you can either serve this drink hot or cold. So you take your rim of your glass and you dip it in the cider. And then you make a little mixture of cinnamon and sugar. And you dip the rim of your glass in the cinnamon and sugar. So that's kind of your garnish for your rim of your glass. And then you mix the bourbon in the cider. 
and you can either heat this over the stove or you can just mix the bourbon and the cold cider together. Stir it up, serve it over ice, and then put in a sprig of rosemary. And that would make a really delicious um, cocktail for the fall. And then, I, of course, I want to finish the podcast with giving you a quote. Um, I'm going to be traditional and give you one from the Bible. And it talks about hospitality. This week and next week, I have been given the great opportunity to go and spend time at two of our local community centers that um, spending time with children. And it's a mission that our church uh, provides adult volunteers once a month, every month for 12 months to spend time with young ladies to help them develop into um, empowered, grace-filled women. And this week's topic was hospitality. And it was perfect because I was able to sit among elementary school girls and share with them the things that my mother taught me of how to be a gracious hostess. So we read a quote from the Bible, 1 Peter 4, verses 8 and 9. Peter says to offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. That hospitality takes great love. And I believe what he means by that is that oftentimes we get caught up on what we're serving, what the table looks like, what the house looks like. Is it clean? Do I look pretty? Do I have the perfect outfit on? Do the children look pretty? Is everybody ready? Am I exhausted? Yes, I am. I'm resentful. Jesus doesn't want that for us. And your guests don't want that either. Really, Thanksgiving is about sitting at the table and enjoying each other's blessings. And then another quote is from an author named Tim Chester, who wrote the book called A Meal with Jesus. And in it, he says, Jesus didn't run projects. Jesus didn't establish ministries. And he didn't produce events. He ate meals. So my friends, in the coming week, as you start to prepare for your holiday, I hope that you'll maybe take some of this advice and find ways that you can delegate, that you can cut back, and ways that you can seek joy. And until we see each other again next time, I hope you have a blessed week. So that's a wrap for this week's chat. I want to thank my sponsor, Jabbo's Ace Hardware. Locally owned and operated, Jabos strives to be the most helpful hardware store in our community. Shop any of their three locations in the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex. And I'd love for you to visit my blog, homewithatwist.com, for today's show notes and recent posts. Follow me on social media at Home With A Twist. Thanks for listening, and remember to celebrate every day.